Welcome back to the Wisdom of the Donut Hole podcast by Ugly Moose Alaska, the podcast about books by Alaska's true-to-life crime author, Ron Walden. Look for us on your favorite platform, subscribe, like, and tell your friends. Be sure to visit ronwalden.com to see all the books and order yours directly from there. They make great gifts. This episode is about Ron's very first book, Cinch Knot, Pigs, Politics, and Petroleum, a multinational plot to nuke the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, copyright 1996, second edition copyright 2023. Cinch Knot is the first of more than a dozen exciting family-friendly books Ron has written. They feature crime and adventure stories loaded with places bursting with history, characters, and plots of interest to all ages. There's no gratuitous violence or rough language, just good stories readers of any age can enjoy. Podcasts take you to real places, mainly in Alaska, to meet characters featured in his books and how they came to be. Our goal is to post a new episode monthly, if not more often. Ron's books are available wherever books are sold, including hometown bookstores and online. We prefer you shop locally. Ron's arranged special pricing for wholesale buyers through Ingram Spark. Ask for his books if you don't see them on the shelves, and thank you in advance for giving us a try. I owe a huge thanks to a book club in Anchorage, Alaska. They provided a cordial direct review of Cinchnot. In the context of their perspective, it makes really good sense that Cinchnot needs historical perspective for today's readers. They articulated good points regarding Ron's first novel. Ron continues to improve with each book and has a pretty nice following around the world. In this episode, I'm going to tell the story of how Cinchnot came to be as historical events unfolded in the 1990s and how it remains relevant today in light of current events. Readers 50 and older, familiar with the 90s technology and global events, may recognize and accept time hops in stories easier having familiarity with that era. Historical impetus and limited technical resources of the day, that all helps. If you're under 30, you're likely weren't even born by Cinchnot's 1996 publication. Certainly not old enough to recall the circumstances supporting its plot. Not long after publication, an entertainment industry person was rumored to have considered Cinchnot for a script possibility. Over the years, others in that industry have bought Ron's books too. I've always hoped one of them would run with it. There's so many great stories in Ron's library, with a new one coming later this year that's sure to garner attention. Today's dictatorial scoundrels are again inspired to take advantage of circumstances to repossess countries and resources they'd relinquished, even sold generations ago. Only this time, not as a work of fiction. Same problems, different eras, different excuses. Read Sidgnot, decide for yourself. Root for the bad guys if you choose. By the end, you're going to appreciate the good guys. Published in 1996, Sidgnot is the culmination of a decade of global events. Nearly 30 years later, an update wouldn't take much more than dollar figures. That and the speed and quality and type of information technology that's available today. Those were the Pony Express in the 90s compared to the virtual reality, Zoom classes, smartphones, direct messaging, and AI we have today. The 1990s gave us mainly two-way line-of-sight radios, maybe a few mobile repeaters, bulky vehicle-mounted mobile phones with limited range, and even drivers relaying correspondence pouches by truck 500 miles one way to Fairbanks for delivery beyond there. 
GPS was classified as it had an impressive 50 meter accuracy window. Now we have real-time turn at the next stop sign in 30 feet type accuracy in our SUVs, sedans, and electric vehicles. Real people flew missions and aircraft from carriers or distant bases. Not much drone work back then in the Middle East or in defense of Alaska airspace. Certainly no operations flown by college students behind a gaming system monitor tweaking a joystick. Dictators, politicians, cartels, OPEC, and other organized gangs ruled the day. Russian and Middle East conspirators? Those are just movie bad guys, not really a threat, right? Well, believe it or not, Russia has never stopped loitering long-range long aircraft within a few miles of the U.S. border along Alaska's coast. This includes bombers, fighters, and marine patrol aircraft. It's still their weekly mission, apparently. The U.S. Air Force does a fine job of reminding them, though, where the no trespassing signs are. Do an internet search for U.S. intercepts of Russian aircraft near Alaska. It's the norm, not the exception. Complacency opens doors. Our military has not been complacent. Even the Chinese weather balloon was detected quicker than NORAD tracking Santa on Christmas Eve. Now cinch not posit some what-ifs. What if those Russian pilots had orders from corrupt commanders to disregard the no trespassing signs and warnings? What if those pilots were ordered to use weekly intrusions as a plan B in the event that nuking the pipeline using an inspection pig failed? Just a couple years before publishing Sinchnot's first edition, the Middle East literally exploded with Saddam Hussein's tyrannical antics and greed. He murdered his own countrymen for decades to eliminate any perceived opposition, even interrupting his own party's official parliamentary sessions to force rivals to confess complicity in, in opposing him. In one session alone, 50 conspirators were revealed by one man. They were marched away one at a time by the Red Guard, Hussein's personal defense force. The remaining opposition, not named as conspirators, were forcibly armed with pistols and ordered to execute their named colleagues to make them complicit in Hussein's crimes. When oil became a volatile gold mine under OPEC pricing combined with the sometimes self-inflicted global shortages, he invaded his neighbor, the Kingdom of Kuwait. Maybe he actually believed his Red Guard combined with his own pompous, egotistical, and sadistic bullying of his own country, would keep world forces fearful and at bay. Well, that worked for about a month. He plotted to drive oil prices higher by reducing supplies, while stockpiling his own by stealing Kuwait's, using his invasion of Kuwait to reduce competition at the same time. Realizing he'd committed a Middle East faux pas of sorts with the invasion, he ordered troops to torch the Kuwaiti oil fields he'd just boosted. If he couldn't have them, no one could. The price leaped higher under OPEC. In military parlance, he successfully executed a jumbo foobar. Geysers of oil-fueled fire and billowing black clouds continued for nearly a year after before the final well was capped. A month or so after Hussein had initially triggered events, U.S. Army General Schwarzkopf and the rest of the good guys restored a semblance of normalcy. OPEC once again began manipulating crude prices at warp speed. Within six months, the amazing footage of bombing of Baghdad kept the world up late at night watching Bernie, Wolf, and other reporters dodge tracers and scuds. Soon Hussein was spider-holed and later hanged by his own countrymen. If you don't know who Baghdad Bob is, 
aka Chemical or Comical Ali, who Bernie or Wolf is, what a Tracer or a Scud is, what a Patriot Missile System or a Spider Hole is. You may need some historical background of what happened before Cinchnot was even drafted. A couple years later, in 1993, the first World Trade Center terrorist attack was carried out. A truck bomb detonated under the North Tower intended to send it crashing into its twin to take down both. It intended to kill tens of thousands of people. It failed to cause catastrophic damage, but it did kill six people, caused thousands of injuries and an evacuation of about 50,000 people. Afghani al-Qaeda terrorists, some with Iraqi passports, had traveled through Pakistan to New York. They executed the attack with help from local conspirators. They claimed they needed to kill about 250,000 people in revenge for U.S. support of Israel regarding Palestine. Those references, along with timelines and global oil fluctuation info, are all in our show notes. Interesting history to look at. It all contributed to Ron drafting Cinchnot as a very real possibility in the late 1990s. Simultaneously, cartels, gangs, and others were infiltrating national parks and get-rich-quick schemes of their own with massive marijuana grow operations during the Just Say No generation. Long before Americans could skip lightly down the block to buy an elevating batch of cannabis, cartels and gangs turned national parks into farmland and pesticide waste dumps. They were doing business with just about anyone they could profit from in any way that improved profits. They still do. Cinchnot describes fictional efforts and responses to those factions, including complicity of government officials and schemes involving oil and drugs, including the lowly marijuana. Sometimes processes and organizations are more harmful than any perceived ills of the products. Organizations know people won't always just say no when they want something or can profit from it. The invasion of national parks is less obtrusive now, likely more local too and surely more business savvy. Still deadly in terms of people and environmental damage, traffickers use parks as routes for human trafficking, even slavery to work crops or even in worse capacities to work off border crossing costs. Reading this novel from 1996 where the price of oil is less than a tank of gas today even when terrorists and criminals have inflated costs by a factor of three, you can believe organizations including OPEC, street gangs, and even politicians were thick as thieves. Together they were complicit in doing anything to get in your pocket, even artificially boosting per barrel prices from $9 to $30 averages clear up to $30 to $100 or more per barrel. Gasoline was costlier and the shady elements were richer. Interdiction resources distracted by national park grow operations and other crimes, thinned response resources, spread the wealth, conspire as a distraction. Today, under special interest and political thumbs, your pocket is ripe for picking again with $75 to $100 or more per barrel of oil on average. This adds another factor of three or more per barrel than in the 1996 cinch knot plot. Back then, Plot overhead included oil tankers as floating holding tanks, full crews and security, technical services, nuclear and military resources, bribes and profits. Billions expended were to be recouped under seemingly low but inflated prices along with a tidy shared profit for years to come. That was the goal. Greed and corruption are the unknown factors in oil valuation, especially when the conspirators arbitrarily set global prices anyway.
Look at, look at factors used today to estimate an annual per barrel profit or loss. In 2023, state of Alaska revenue estimates used a calculation assuming a direct annual impact of $70 million for each $1 fluctuation in a barrel of oil. Every $1 change in the price of a barrel of oil could send a $70 billion tide change throughout economies. A $1 increase in a barrel's oil price is a possible $70 million profit. A $1 drop in a barrel's oil price is a possible $70 million loss. The new Alaska Willow Project, which is very tiny in comparison to Prudhoe Bay and Texas fields, is expected to produce about 600 million barrels of oil over its 10-year life. A daily production of about 180,000 barrels is expected. At $30 per barrel, the daily gross revenue would be about 5.5 million bucks every day for at least 10 years. Imagine the cinch knot opportunity that little field could have. A $70 million impact per $1 fluctuation in per barrel oil. That value means that the Tiny Willow Project has less than a $400 million loss of revenue to Alaska before production, but a $1.3 billion revenue or profit over the 10-year field life. Small project, big profit. That's just Alaska's revenue from the profit. The project real profit goes to developers and producers in exponentially larger dollar amounts. And the feds, they get their cut too. Fossil fuel phobias be damned. Today we can buy legal pot. It's sourced somewhere for profit. If anyone believes government decriminalization reduces criminal involvement, they must have at least a contact high. Especially when a government legalizes by tying it to taxation like oil and pot. Create a problem to solve, manipulate the cost and the benefit in favor of a planned outcome. Sounds like Cinch Knot's plot way back when. See show notes for details on OPEC, the 90s weekly oil price gouging, Saddam's spider hole ho sing, national park invasions, terroristic behavior to accomplish manipulation of global markets and more. The dawn of our existence with artificially high oil prices and dreams of everything electric are byproducts of events from a decade leading up to cinch knot. It's just grown from there. Add artificially inflated fossil fuels and coal costs, production and transportation interference, export suspensions and bans, red tape and permitting, federal lease and export shutdowns that inflate costs forcibly and before you know it, the manipulations help make the electric vehicles appear cost competitive and ready to go by 2030. EVs aren't even likely to be competitive or even reasonably priced replacements by 2030 without manipulation. Like it or not, fossil fuel resources are likely here to stay in spite of political grandstanding. Climate change is a separate issue. Cinch Knot doesn't preach. It simply asks what if. Using real world market and manipulation of its day, money and votes appear to be prime drivers in all cases today as in the 90s. That's what drives the plot of Sinchna. The difference is wind and solar were science fiction daydreams as replacements for fossil fuels in the 90s. Free wind and free sun, like most free stuff, is just too darn expensive. It's lucrative though, or it wouldn't be forced so acutely. Remember these opinions are premised on a work of fiction, not reality. 
They're meant to provide a context to a 40-year-old issue and encourage readers to enjoy the ride Cinch Knot provides. So buy an EV, buy an SUV, it's your choice for now. Later in 2030 or so, not so much. The folks that know this is true will profit unless someone, even a nobody, like an oil field security worker with a few critical skills stands up and says, nope, something has to be done. Cinchnot's characters do just that. Read Cinchnot with a view of a pre-9-11 world. 9-11 was the second terrorist attack on the World Trade Center and wouldn't even happen until five years after publication of Cinchnot. But Cinchnot foretold some pretty solid scenarios. Some of those continue to coincide with needs for border protections to keep bad actors out, and even international strategies protecting critical infrastructure and, obviously, economies. Now what about the oil fields and pipelines themselves? Is pigging a real thing, and could it even be used nefariously? Oil was discovered in Prudhoe Bay in 1968. Pipeline construction began in 1973 at a cost of about $8 billion. Every day saw innovations that hadn't existed before. A 500-mile road between Fairbanks and Dead Horse near Prudhoe Bay was completed in 1974. The first oil left the North Slopes Pump Station 1 in 1977 to travel 800 miles to the ice-free port of Valdez on the Gulf of Alaska. Land and marine mammals have always been protected and preserved as priorities since day one on the North Slope. Pollution is almost unheard of on the North Slope. Even accidental spills are thoroughly returned to pre-spill environment and habitat. Indigenous lifestyles and wildlife are always priorities. At under 215,000 acres, Prudhoe Bay is the largest oil field in North America. It originally held about 25 billion barrels of oil. Recoverable amounts in that field alone were more than double the size of the next largest in the U.S., the East Texas fields. Crude comes from depths through permafrost, routes into the four-foot diameter pipeline, flows through 12 pump stations, two being only flow-throughs. Each station has two operating pumps and one standby, powered by turbine engines that operate, uh, generate power to operate the pump station and its facilities. Crude requires additives to reduce friction and tumbling of oil inside the pipe. Friction heats it naturally to between 70 and 80 degrees. Oil moves safely from the frozen north across tundra, rivers, mountains, and valleys to the Valdez Marine Terminal where it's stored in huge tanks where super tankers are gravity fed through miles of pipes for shipping. Alaska's economy is based on the price of a barrel of oil. Neither Alaska nor the oil producers dictate market prices. Many factors contribute, the largest being the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, a Middle East group of producers, the largest reserve holders on the planet. OPEC holds the power to dictate world oil prices. Their track record of frequent price manipulation and production quotas has been less than exemplary. Unstable governments, Middle East strife, roller coaster prices, production quotas, loss of tax incentives, oil depletion taxes, and many other ills make it tougher than necessary to produce and sell crude. Political interference and angling globally can force oil-dependent societies like Alaska into feast or famine existences, even into possible victimization if a Cinchnile-style plot were to succeed. U.S. politics exacerbates all that. In the 90s, Cinchnot's era, 
Rumors soared of layoffs and cutbacks when oil dropped 30% down to $6 to $9 per barrel. It was still profitable, but it just wasn't enough profit for some. Advances in today's directional drilling technology create more and better options for smaller operational footprints. Remote, pristine areas can be reached directionally without a full present on critical habitat, a plus for the environment. Permitting should be much simpler, but it's vilified and delayed. In Cinch Knot, readers get a front row seat and an exciting ride with civilian and government agencies working together to derail an international plot for profit trying to destroy infrastructure of the United States and Alaska. This actually happened in 2022 in Europe. A series of underwater explosions and gas leaks occurred on the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines. This happened just one day before Poland and Norway opened a pipe through Denmark rather than through the land of Nord pipeline owner Russia. Leaks were in international waters but within economic zones of Denmark and Sweden. The uproar we see today in today's news was captured in Ron's books from 1996. A multinational plot to destroy a pipeline sounds as familiar today as it did in the 90s. The difference? The value of a barrel of oil. Imagine cinch knot only in today's values, economy, and environmental concerns. This story about the Nord Stream was based on real events of the 90s. This story is based on the real events of the 90s. Like Nord Stream, though, it culminates in a terrifying, multi-pronged scenario that no one wants to have happen. But it did. Minus the nuke, as far as we know, with Nord Stream 1 and 2. The players even resemble cinch-knot conspirators. The ongoing presence of oil fields and related products to the U.S. are immeasurable. A portion of the North Slope fields are designated strategic national reserves intended to fuel U.S. infrastructure, economy, and military resources in emergencies. This happened in the 1990s and as recently as 2023, when policies reduced production and the nation depended on that reserve, even selling some internationally. America shines bright on the world stage partly because of its ability to rely on its own energy resources. Those have to be protected, cinch not assumed they would be, had provided a means to do so. OPEC and other organizations lost a stranglehold on the U.S. with development of Alaska's North Slope fields and the pipeline. If the pipeline and fields were lost, damaged, or made unusable, world economies would see massive shifts. The U.S. could sink as a world power. Allies could seek partners elsewhere. Enemies could gain significant ground. Maybe they'd even feel froggy enough to try to repossess what's no longer theirs. Sound familiar? A small cabal, properly positioned with good technology, aggressive resources, and time, could change the financial history of the world. A single bad act in a single day, using a low-yield nuke with a plan B, even gradual deterioration due to poor maintenance due to misinformation from a pigging company, could reduce the U.S. to energy subservience. Pump stations keep oil moving and detect anomalies along every inch. That depends on subcontracted outside agencies and technology. The exterior is continuously inspected and maintained. Deficits are repaired immediately. The inside's different. How do you see inside of a steel four-foot diameter pipe generally filled every day with unprocessed crude? Every inch of pipeline must be in top condition every second, every hour, every day. That's where pigging comes in. 
Pigs diagrammed in cinch knot are exactly as they existed in 1996. Technology was advanced for the day. It's improved exponentially since then. There's usually little corrosion in the pipeline. The pipeline service company has run corrosion detection pigs through from the start to extend the minimum 30-year lifespan. When an inspection is scheduled, a pig ships from Japan through U.S. Customs and Anchorage. It's dismantled and inspected for contraband, and that process takes about a full month. The pig's sealed in a custom container and trucked over 500 miles to the North Slope for final installation of onboard power and technology. Pigging is done by the Japanese company's technicians. Pig Runs Info is translated and evaluated at company labs in Japan with the data sent to Alieska and Anchorage to compare previous data. Ultrasonics pigs detect corrosion for quicker, simpler mitigation. They weigh about 6,600 pounds. They're about 10 feet long. Onboard technology sorts masses of information, electronically divides pipe into small grids, and transmits signals every 15 millimeters the entire 800-mile trip while traveling at about 10 feet per second. Onboard computers analyze data and report corrosion. Data is re uh, retrieved at a couple pump stations. Equipment is refreshed and relaunched to continue to Valdez. Inspections detected over 1,800 anomalies as of 1996 when Cinch Knot was published. Some required exhumation of and repair of miles of pipeline. As written in Cinch Knot, a service company conspiracy could be able to onboard a nuke device by having it appear as updated technology. Show notes include links to an FBI.gov multi-part article, North to Alaska Part 4, the shot that pierced the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. It describes an event that demonstrated how well the pipeline and its operators can respond to the unexpected. The article describes what's possibly the U.S.'s likeliest vulnerability to energy sector damage. Just somebody being stupid. October 2001 near Live and Good, Alaska. A man shot a single shot into the pipeline near the base of a gentle rise. Strong pipe pressure spewed 285,000 gallons of oil. 75 feet into the air, soaking tundra. The pipeline was shut down three days while workers fixed the leak. That single shot shut down the pipeline, delaying delivery of nearly three million barrels of oil in under a week. No well-planned plot, no low-yield nuke, no plan B foreign assaults, no planning or organized details, no predetermined goals, no billions stolen, no harm to speak of. The man was no terrorist. Police reported, officially, he was just somebody being stupid. A hunter and alcohol, nothing deeper than that. Imagine a low-level nuclear detonation in a flowing pipeline in this remote part of the world. 800 miles of oil under pressure, dumping from a four-foot diameter opening along a miles-long gap of pipeline. Environmental damage would be catastrophic, years of repairs and loss of energy to our country. Without that resource, the world economy again implodes under the stress of arbitrary prices. The Middle East already controls OPEC. Today, with this scenario, OPEC could control world supplies with Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. Oil has been safely produced, flowing through pipelines and distributed for over 50 years from the North Slope. Alaska's only been a state for 65 years as of 2024. 
After Ron retired from the Alaska Department of Corrections, he provided security at pump stations <clears throat> along the Alaska Pipeline route. World events influenced fuel price hikes and other events that planted the seeds for his novel Cinch Knot. Having never written a novel before, but having it on his bucket list, Ron researched and drafted a manuscript. A first-time author, he knew it would be rough. He learned what he could, and he made his best effort. Along the way, he got some informal coaching from a few authors we've all read, some local, some in-state, others broadly known. He realized the scenarios he'd settled on were quite possible and even probable. He sought oil industry and military experts to review and critique his ideas. Some expressed concern scenarios had merit and maybe hadn't been fully considered in ongoing response planning and protocols. They ran a few scenarios and had many discussions before the tactics appeared in his book. The most unbelievable parts in this book are the changes in the value of oil. It's been 50 years since the Trans-Alaska Pipeline began carrying oil to keep America strong, providing reserves for infrastructure and protection of our country. In 30 years, young adults reading a story published today about almost anything aren't likely to recall much of today's history that keeps a story relevant. Technology doesn't require that. You can just Google it. Cinchnot's a good story, better when considered in the context of his day and that it remains relevant today. Every generation has elites that profit or plan to from disaster. They might even perpetuate fear of a disaster to prosper, create a problem to solve, circumstantial dependence. There's no reset, just a prescribed path one is told to follow. Fortunately, there are elements protecting us from such elitists. Sinchnot presents a story where an average guy with average friends and educated associates won't give up, won't be shamed or threatened into inaction. They see the broader dangers and they act. That's a good story. The internet went from a military and corporate asset to kindergarten Zoom classes and nanny cams overnight. A car can drive itself. Civilians can build and launch spacecraft for low-orbit tourism, leaving hot air balloon rides and bungee jumping in the dust. So as you read Cinchnot, relax and step back 30 years, technologically anyway. As in the novel, some information has to be delivered firsthand, depending on sensitivity. Emails, text, digital smartphones, even digital radio systems were yet to come. Now they're embedded in our lives and still built from fossil fuels and byproducts. The new fears of global warming or its alias climate change can be consequential to what scale is debatable. Small planes, commercial airlines, telephones, and face-to-face -face meetings were the norm in the 90s. No Zoom meetings, no FaceTime, just people talking to people. Alaska is massive and wealthy, but the communication system across Alaska is still weak. Developing this story included getting clearance and help from Air Force Public Affairs Office to enter a military base to chat with fighter pilots and detection officers about possible new scenarios affecting U.S. airspace and protection of Alaska's boundaries and resources. Try that today. There's even a Space Force base in Alaska now. Ron's imagination combined with ground truth resulted in fictional scenarios that sounded too extreme to ever be used to devastate the largest state in the Union, environmentally or financially. Ron visited the industry and defense experts and developed a great story to engage readers as far as it can without becoming sensational or even dangerous. This novel, Cinch Knot, Pigs, Politics, and Petroleum, 
the multinational plot to nuke the Trans-Alaska Pipeline is on sale everywhere books are sold. Check your hometown bookstores and online, including ronwalden.com, booksofmillion.com, barnesandnoble.com, and many more. As for the books in your local stores, if you don't see them, ask for them. Shopping locally is always the best. Next time, we'll return with Ron's second novel, this one from 2009, Devil's Heart, Native American Lore and Modern Police Work, Pursuit of a Serial Killer. You'll love this book. Check your favorite podcast platforms for updates and new episodes. Our podcasts are found on all major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Samsung, Audible, iHeart, YouTube, and more. Listen, like, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Order your books today. Check out ronwalden.com for a look at covers and synopsis of his books. You can order them directly from there, too. It's very simple, and they make great gifts. I'm your host, Scott Walden. Read Ron's books. Subscribe and like our podcast and visit Alaska. Episode notes, transcripts, and show notes are downloaded and available at the Wisdom of the Donut Hole blog.blogspot.com. And special thanks to Ray Lankford for the show's theme music titled The Wisdom of the Donut Hole Theme, an instrumental written, performed, and provided with permission by Ray Lankford of Shoshone County, Idaho. Look for more of Ray's music on his website. Ray Langford Music and Writing. Thank you for listening.